Amen. Open up your Bibles, if you will, to the Old Testament book of Job. It's just spelled J-O-B. It's not Job. It's Job. And uh, we're going to get there in a minute. Go ahead and open it up to chapter 3. We're going to start this new year off with a series of sermons that are designed intentionally to help you and me with something every single one of us struggles with. It is extremely frustrating to us at times when it happens to us. This particular thing. Some of us it happens to occasionally. Some of us, the vast majority of us, it happens a lot. Some of us, probably a good percentage, also live in a certain state of of this frustration. It's overwhelming. It's not an occasional thing. It happens almost as a way of life, and we've just kind of come to believe that that's the way life is for us. Now, what am I talking about? Well, if you'll get out your message outlines out of your bulletin, I prepared that specially for you. Should help you a lot to follow. If you need one, go ahead and lift your hand. One of our men in the back will make sure that you get one, and don't be embarrassed about it. Don't worry about it uh, after Bobby and Ryan's uh, little boxing match up here on stage. Nothing should embarrass you. I'm just cutting up. <laughs> Not at Calvary. When you guys were doing that, man, this was hilarious. The I, I, only thing I could remember, if you need an outline, go ahead and lift your hand, and one of our guys will get you one. Uh, we need one or two down front here. Thank you, Donnie, and uh, one or two down front here. But um, you ever seen Jim Carrey on When Nature Calls, uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective? And he's going to fight the, the warrior, and if he wins, you know, then, you know, they get the, whatever they're supposed to get. And if the guy wins, the, he's going to get whatever he's supposed to get. It's a big contest. So all of a sudden, when they're ready to fight, this great, big, lumbering, you know, villager comes out there, and he looks like, oh, my goodness, you know, i got to fight this giant. And then that big guy turns around. You remember the, the movie, and he has and a knapsack on his back pops out this little guy, right, who just proceeds to pounce on Jim Carrey and beat him to a pulp, right? That little guy in that knapsack is Bobby. (laughs) Don't mistake his size for weakness, brother. He will pounce right on you. (laughs) Oh, man, I tell you, that, that just brought that to my mind so much. As I say, there is always a circus going on up here. Every now and then, I just open it up and let the public see what's going on inside. Get out your message notes, and you're going to see the frustration, though, that I'm talking about. Plagues a lot of us. Plagues all of us, actually. Dominates most of us. One of the most common things (coughs) that I hear today out of Christians and out of other people is this. I am overwhelmed. I, I, I don't know how to d- get everything done. There's too much to do. Some of you know because the holidays were exactly that way, right? I just don't have any time. I can't get catch up, caught up. I need a break. I'm, I'm overloaded. We're often over, overloaded from a lot of common sources. First of all, just honestly with today, we're just, we can get overloaded with activities. There's just a lot to do. If you're a parent and you have school-aged children, you understand exactly what I'm talking about, right? Just activities. I got a chauffeur here. I got to be the bus here. I got to go there. I got to do this. I got to do that. And you just go and go and go and you get overloaded with activities. We can also get overloaded with choices. There's so many choices to make today. 
we didn't used to have that, that, but there just are literally, I believe, in some ways, too many choices in the world today. Life was easier when we didn't have a whole lot of choices. We can get overloaded with changes. Hmm? How about your life changing? The death of a loved one. Uh, job changes. Uh, schedule changes. Uh, life changes. Traffic changes. Huh? How's that one? Yeah. Uh, it's just too much. We can get overloaded from too much work or... Here's a big one, overloaded with too much debt. Offerings are always good in December, but they always drop off in January and February because you know why? It's when the credit card bills come due, right? It's really true. Um, how about this, overloaded with too many worries. Any of you ever feel like you just got the weight of the world on you? Too much information is a big way to get overloaded with the internet and with media now, you can get totally overloaded with information. My cell phone has become this infinite source of frustration to me. I bought it and paid good money for it and pay a lot of money every month to have the convenience of a cell phone. But here's what I've noticed. Every app that I load wants to notify me of what is important to them and what should be important to me. So with my ADD brain going on, I get out my cell phone and say, hey, I got to text Brian something, and I'm, I'm getting ready to text him, but before I can, it goes, bling, notification. Somebody just liked your post on Facebook. Bling, you got an email from Gmail. Bling, you got, and I'm going about 10 minutes later. Now, what the heck did I get my phone out for? You ever have that happen to you? You get your phone out to do something, and you get overloaded with something else. Information. TV is that way. If you watch the news, they'll have a person talking on the screen. They'll have the stock ticker and other news going across the bottom, the temperature, the time, overload. It's insane. You can't even watch a movie now. I used to fuss about the commercials coming in the middle of a good spot. Now, they don't even clear the screen to put a commercial on. You can be watching the movie and there's a commercial for something else silly coming up on it. Like right at the scary part of the movie or something, right? Kind of ruins the movie. Information overload. You can just get overloaded with that. Here's a big one for me and a big one for you as a Christian and as just really as a person. If, you, if you're a person who cares about other people in this world, now this is hard for some of us. You can be overloaded with too much accessibility in your life. Too much accessibility. You ever felt like, I see some of you nodding, you ever felt like, Everybody had direct access to you, even if they don't need it. Hmm? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So much accessibility. And, and uh, what happens is with all of those things, then the pace of life, the speed of life, if you will, gets faster and faster and faster. How overloaded are people today? Well, let me, let me tell you of one study I just saw. People today, recent study said that people today sleep two and a half hours fewer on average, every night, two and a half hours fewer than they did a hundred years ago. So we're getting less sleep. Now, secondly, the average work week in America, average work week, is uh, longer than it was in the 1960s. That surprised me. I would have expected that people in the 60s worked more hours per week. Not, not at all. We work longer hours now than they did then. So we're working longer hours during the day, but we're getting less sleep at night. And a recent study, this blew me away, says that on the average office desk, if you work in an office, the average office worker, average amount, has 36 hours of work piled up on that desk. 
waiting for that individual to get to it. Now listen to me. And that every, I want to quote it, and that every employee spends about three hours a week just sorting through that pile to find different things. We're chronically rushed. We're chronically late because we're chronically rushed. And because we're chronically late, we're chronically exhausted. Coming off the holidays, you have to understand that, right? I sure do. Now, if in some way, a small way, one or two of those points just described your life, I want to give you some great, great news. God wants to break you free from the crushing, discouraging enslavement of being constantly frustrated and overwhelmed. And in the next four weeks, I'm going to give you, God's going to give you from His Word, the help that you need. See, I can give you the advice, but God, through His Spirit, He can give you the principles, but I'm going to tell you something. He can also give you the power to do it. And that's the good news. How can I break down these life habits? And we're going to look at that. So you really need to be here for the next three weeks following today. Now, by the way, I just want you to know this as a word of comfort. You're not alone. I believe it affects every single person here, young or old. If it hasn't hit you yet, it will hit you that you're absolutely overwhelmed with all you have to do. And, and it affects all of us. And it not, this is not an issue necessarily of being an immature Christian because some of the godliest men and women in the Bible, Old Testament and New, struggle with this. For instance, I'm going to read to you Job chapter 3. Now, when I read through it, I had read it several times, a couple different versions. I want to tell you this. What you hear in Job 3 and what we're about to hear is the cry of a desperately overloaded, overwhelmed, depressed saint. The amazing thing is Job is described in Job chapter 1 as a guy who loved God. Who was righteous in all of his ways. It wasn't like he was sinning a lot. But Job has lost everything. He's lost his income. He's lost his family. He's lost his health. In fact, in chapter 2, at the end of chapter 2, the Bible says that three of his friends come to visit him. And when they see him, they don't even recognize him. He's sitting in an ash heap. All of his life, everything gone. And, and they don't even recognize him. He's, he's a good friend. And when they do recognize him, it says they just, they didn't say a word. They wept. And then it says that they sat down with Job. They just sat with him for days. And they didn't say a single word. You know, that'd be a good lesson for some of us when some of our friends are really, really suffering through the deepest things in life. We don't always have to say things, but we do just need to sit with people. Just let them know we're there. Sometimes just our presence makes all the difference in the world. Job and Job chapter 3 start speaking. I want you to read it along with me. It'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible. If you have your own, you can look. Verse 13 of chapter 2 says, They saw that his grief was very great. And then chapter 3 says this, After this, Job opened his mouth. And what does he do, this saint of God? He cursed the day he was born. Now you think about that. Don't, you, don't read it too quick. We read scripture much too quick. He cursed the day of his birth. And Job spoke and Job said, May the day perish on which I was born and the night in which it was said, 
a male child is conceived. May that day be darkness. May God above not seek it, nor the light shine upon it. May darkness and the shadow of death claim it, and may a cloud settle on it, and may the blackness of day terrify it. As for that night, may darkness seize it. May it not rejoice among the days of the year. May it not come into the number of months. Oh, may that night be barren. May no joyful shout come into it. May those who curse it, who curse the day, those who are ready to arouse Leviathan, may the stars of the morning be dark and may it look for light and have none and not see the dawning of the day. It's just, whoa, the day. Why? Why would he want the day of his birth? Here's why. It's how depressed he is. Overwhelmed he is. Because that day did not shut up the doors of my mother's womb nor hide sorrow from my ear eyes. Why did I not die at birth? You ever felt like that? Why did I not perish when I came forth from the womb? Why did the knees receive me like holding a baby on your knees? Or why the breasts that I should nurse? For now I would have lain still and been quiet He's saying, if I had died, I would have been asleep. Then I would have been at rest with kings and counselors of the earth who built ruins for themselves or princes who had gold, who filled their houses with silver. Why was I not hidden like a stillborn child, like infants who never saw light? There, he's talking about in death, the wicked ceased from troubling. And there the weary are at rest. And there the prisoners rest together. They don't hear the voice of an oppressor. The small and the great, they are there. And the servant is free from his master. Why? He's questioning, isn't he? See how many times that word comes in? Why is light given to him who is in misery? And life to the one who is bitter of soul? Who long for death, but it does not come? who search for death more than hidden treasures, who rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they can find the grave. Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden and in whom God has hedged in? We often talk about, Lord, hedge them in. Lord, put a hedge of protection around them. Job says there's another hedge, and it's a hedge of calamity. And he's talking in depression here. And he's talking, he's, listen, he's suffering. If you read the list of what he lost, you'd be suffering too. And he says, yeah, there's a hedge around me. Suffering. I can't get out of it. I can't get out of it. Look down at verse 25. This really tells me something. For the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. This verse right here could sum it up for us some days, some weeks, some years. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest. Has that ever described your life? I'm not at ease. I'm not quiet. I have no rest. Trouble comes. Fascinating passages of Scripture. 
when you realize how much he is suffering. Now, what I'm going to do, to, so this happens to godly people, right? Not just ungodly people. This happens to faithful people, not just faithless people. So today I'm going to launch this new series, and I'm calling it Living with Margin. And my goal, as I have been studying over the last few weeks, is to, I went back and I began to dig and dig and dig and say, God, what has helped me at times when I needed to reorder my life most? And I want to share with you some of that today. It's, it's this series, and my goal, a good goal, I'm going to help over the next four weeks, lower your stress, <laughs> increase your peace of mind, and increase the chances and the opportunity for God to use you in a real good, meaningful way. Now, I want to give you some definitions as we start today. So, uh, just so that we gain. A lot of today is going to be laying groundwork. Next three weeks, don't miss it. You're going to love it. It's going to help you a lot. What do I mean by margin when I say needing margin in our lives? Well, write this down on your outline. Margin really is the space that is there between my load and my limits. My load and my limits, what do I mean by that? Well, your load is everything that you feel responsible for in your life. Everything that you think you have to do to accomplish, everything that's depending on you, that, how much of a load you're bearing. Your limit refers to your resources, your energy, your time, your finances, the ability and the means that you have to do that load. You got it? And you got to have space between the two because, listen... If your load outweighs your limits, you're in deep trouble. And if it does that often, you're in really deep trouble. And so we've got to order our lives enough. And this is one process I'm going through now is trying to create some margins, some space, so that my limits are enough to accomplish what I've actually got to do. Margin is the space between my load and my limits. Having margin, you might say it like this, as having some breathing space breathing room, having some personal time, having, having some uh, room in my life, some reserves in, in my limits. Now, you and I have to have reserves. We have to have margin in every area of life. You have to have margarine. Uh, you have, not margarine. I can't eat that after a heart attack. You have to have a physical margin in your life. Those of you who exercise know this. So, uh, you have to have physical margins. Like you can't just keep going and going and going all the time. You have to have physical margins so you won't wear out physically. You need spiritual margin in your life. Why? Because you've got to handle temptation. You, that's difficult. And do ministry and serve God. That's extremely difficult. Those are draining things. And so you need some spiritual margin. You need emotional margin. Why do you need emotional rest and emotion? Because good relationships come from having margin. Good relationships take time. If you don't have margin and time for relationships, your relationships get strained. We'll talk more about that. Oh, here's a big one. <laughs> After this year for me, we need financial margin, don't we? Hmm? To avoid the pressure of debt. Debt will crush you. We need time margin in our schedules. So we're going to look at each of those in this series Please don't miss any of them. Now, I want to give you first some benefits of living with margin. Because if I can give you the few benefits of it, then you'll, you'll be more uh, apt to listen to me. First benefit of living with margin is this. Number one, write it down, healthier mind. Healthier mind. 
you won't be hurried. You won't be scattered all the time. And you ever feel scatterbrained? You got more going on than you know what to do and you don't know where to start. But, but if you have some margin, then you'll have a healthier peace of mind. You'll, your thinking will improve and uh, you'll have more time to think. Second thing, a great benefit is this. You'll have a healthier body. Uh, wow, I'm learning this. Unrelenting stress. You say, what stresses you, Pastor? Pretty much everything. <laughs> I'm pretty common here. Not that way at home, am I, honey? Just, just get wound up too quick. I, just, I, I like for things to happen, and I like for them to happen fast, and I like for them to happen the way I want them to happen because my way, of course, is always the right way and the best way. And, uh, but anyway, that's just kind of the way. Listen, unrelenting stress harms your body physically. Your body needs downtime to repair itself. It's one of the purposes of, of the whole Sabbath day that God created. God commands that. I, I love racing, and in highest performance race cars, they'll build the engines to fly and run perfectly. They'll bring, build the chassis to handle well. They get the best drivers that they can get, but you know what they have to do with that race car periodically during that race of high performance? They have to schedule pit stops. They don't just wait for something to go wrong. They don't wait for a tire to go off uh, the rim. They don't wait for the, for the engine to start running rough or handling strength. They schedule pit stops. Why? For repair. You know why? Because you can't repair a race car at 200 miles an hour. But that's not just true of racing. You can't, you can't repair your own life. You can't repair relationships. You can't repair a job at 200 miles an hour. I mean, that's so true. And so listen, you'll have a healthier body if you'll build in some margin. Third benefit, moving quickly. You're going to have, I love this, healthier relationships. Not just better mind, body, but healthier relationships if you build some margin into your life. Because as I said earlier, relationships take time. You know, in your relationships now, you've got to have time to enjoy one another. You gotta have some downtime. If your relationships all just going, 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 what you do is you never slow down enough to see the good in one another. You only see the bad. They, and they never get the chance to see the good in you and the best in you. And you don't get to see the best of them. Families and marriages without margin have far more conflict. Far more conflict. It's a symptom. Fourth benefit, and this is where we're going with this. If you'll build some margin into your life, some rest time, some downtime. I know everybody says, just do more, do more. No, no, no. I'm telling you, you need to learn to do less, and you'll actually do more. You'll do this. You'll be more available for God to use. If you'll actually build in some downtime, and I'm going to show you how to do that, okay? This is going to be an incredible four weeks. I'm telling you, it's going to be life-changing for some of you. Some of you at the end of it, you're not going to listen, you're not going to come, and you're going to still be all frustrated and confused, but that's your choice. God wants to help you. I'm going to help you, and we're going to help one another through this thing. And so, you know, you'll be more available for God to use when you have margin in your life. When you're overloaded, your only, only thing you can think of is what? Survival. Getting through it. Just getting through it. You don't have anything else to give. As far as serving God, you're just too busy to really care. And if you do care, you don't have time to do anything for him. Too busy to serve. Here's the sad part. 
When we get overloaded, we're too busy to hear from God. Too busy to hear God. Some of you, if God wanted to call you with good news, you couldn't take the call because it, he'd get a busy signal. <laughs> I mean, if God wanted to call and give you some great news, you're down there saying, everything's messed up, man, nothing's working right, and I've got to fix this, and I've got to fix that, and God's trying to call you with good news. God's trying to say, I got this, and you're saying, eh, 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 busy. That's why we're going to spend some time getting ready to live lives of margin, because if we're going to live at all, we've got to do it. So, Today, I just want to look at some very basic steps. I'm going to lay, today, if you will, what we're going to do is lay a foundation, okay? And then in the coming weeks, we're going to get real practical about this. And then God's Spirit is going to help you to implement it. And I'm telling you, it's life-changing. So here are some very basic first steps. I'm just going to list them, talk a little bit about them. We will get into each one of these in detail. If you're going to actually build some margin, some rest time into your life, Here's what you got to do. First of all, you need to accept your human limitations. <laughs> you need to understand that you're not God. Look at me now, ladies. You're not the God of your family. Men, you're not the God of your business or your family. You're not even Superman. <laughs> You're not. You have human limitations. I love the story years ago. True story. I did the research on it. You never know now with this stuff. So I, I found this story a long time ago, and it's really hilarious. Muhammad Ali, the great boxer. You know, I think perhaps the greatest boxer could have been that ever lived. Certainly one of the greatest. And he thought he was the greatest. You remember he was real loud and real pompous, but he could back it up, right? So he would always, man, he could not only box, he could talk junk. You remember that? He could really talk junk. He'd make his opponents, he'd psych them out before he ever got in the ring. Well, he was a showman everywhere he went. One time he was on an airplane, true story, and uh, airplanes get a little bumpy, but he's talking and blowing smoke, and he's going around. People are, hey, champ, how you doing? He's walking all around the plane. A little stewardess came up, and the seatbelt light came on and said, uh, sir, you're gonna, Mr. Ali, you're going to have to be seated. Uh, the seatbelt light is on. He looked at her and said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. To which she very calmly and quickly replied, Superman don't need no airplane either. <laughs> so please take your seat and put your seatbelt on. Isn't that great? <laughs> Superman don't need no, no <laughs> seatbelt. Yeah, Superman don't need no airplane either. You're not Superman. The Bible says, the Bible teaches this, that every created thing in the universe has its limits. Do you know that? The Bible teaches that. God gave everything he's created. He's the only one that's limitless, that never gets tired, never gets old, never gets, you know. But everything has limits. Have you learned that? Have you learned that your time is limited? Huh? Have you learned that your finances are limited? Have you learned that your wisdom is limited? You ever learned that one? Have you learned that your energy is limited? Everything that's created thing, everything, listen, everything in your life, let me personalize, everything in your life is limited. Every resource you have, except God, is limited. That's it. Why? Because you're human. But you know why we don't believe that? And that's a fact. There's certain things you can't do. But you know why we don't believe that? It's because we live in a culture that says you can do anything. No, you cannot. 
Now, I'm not here to rain on your parade. I'm not a buzz killer. But, you know, you, you can't do anything. But the world will have you to believe, oh, you can do it. Listen, there's no new sellers, bestsellers coming out, your limited life. <laughs> right? It's all about your limitless life. Your, you know, go through the ceiling. You can do anything. You can do it all. But you can't do it all. And you can't be anything. You can't be anything you want to be. That's just not true. Again, I want you to try, and I want you to try to do good things. And what God, But listen, let me just ask you. Can you fly through the air like a bird with no plane? No. Listen, Superman don't need no airplane. But you do. You can't do anything. You're never going to fly like a bird. Um, you certainly can't do anything you ever want to just do. And you can't do everything. There's no way to do everything. Um, can you go six months without eating? No. Any food at all? Six months? No. Uh, somebody came up to me after the first service and said, I just want you to know, me and my wife talked about your sermon. You said we couldn't go for six months without eating. He said, we said, we can't go six minutes. <laughs> I said, I know the feeling. I'm on a Mediterranean diet. Everything worth living for is off limits. But anyway. Um, now... <laughs> All those human limitations, see, we think of them as bad, but they're not, because who gave them to us? God. And the creator of the universe gave you human limitations, and you know why I did it? For your good, for your protection. Now, let me tell you why I say that. He intentionally gave them to you because he knows what's best. And hear me, if you ignore those limitations and live like you can control it all, you can do it all, you can be this, you, then you're going you're gonna to be the one that suffers. Now let me mention quickly several, I think four, limitations that you've got to accept. You just need to accept this. First of all, you've got to accept that you have physical limitations. You have physical limitations, how, how much time you can, energy. You can't swim to Hawaii. Like, you can't go, somebody will be out there trying it next week, I'm sure. None of you. You can't swim to Hawaii. You can't, can't go without sleep uh, for weeks and weeks on end. Why? Because you have a limited amount of energy, period. That's it. You do. you got to get rest. You, listen, you have not only physical limitations you have as a human being. These are human limitations. You have emotional limitations, right? Sure you do. Have you ever said, I have reached my limit with them, right? Oh, how many times? Now, emotional ones, limitations are a little harder to discover. They're a little different than your physical limits. I mean, you can, you can really discover your physical limits quick. You should have seen me on the treadmill this week during my stress test. I injured my hamstring in my left leg. That's why I'm using the table. About three days before that thing. And I'm on it, and they're trying to get my heart rate up to 137. Just had a heart attack four weeks ago, five weeks ago, ever how many weeks ago. And, I mean, I don't know. I'm stressed out. And I, <laughs> I'm, I'm on that thing, and she's saying, keep going, keep going. I'm going, I'm going pretty good. Then that thing started pulling up on me, boy, pulling up on me. I was like, you know, I'm hopping on one leg. She said, keep going. you got ten more beats to go. I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> she said, is your heart hurting? I said, no, my leg's hurting. <laughs> It was locked up. You can tell your limitations physically real quick. You know, if I were to say to some of you, somebody was injured out here and there was a hospital, let's say, half a mile down the road. 
And if I said, could you carry him to the hospital? You might could try that, right? Could you carry one person to the hospital? Some of you might say, yeah, I might could. But if I said to you, will you carry 10 people to the hospital at once? You'd go, oh, no. Can't carry 10 people at once. You wouldn't even try it, right? I mean, that'd be ridiculous. Physical limitations. But listen to me. Let me ask you emotionally. How many people are you trying to carry at once? Hmm? Now, I love you. How many people are you trying to carry emotionally right now? Three? Five? Twenty? It's a lot, isn't it? Well, I see some of you, I know you're managers, and sometimes people think, boy, I want to be the manager. You probably don't. And then you have to carry the whole department on your shoulders. Now listen to me. You have not only physical and emotional, you and I have mental limits. There's a limit to how much information you can handle and process. And as I said, we're on overload. I won't beat that, but we always are. The Internet, everything is overloading us constantly. And what happens is your mind just starts shutting down at some point. It literally cannot process it. It needs a rest. And we're going to talk about a filter. And we'll use that. We'll talk about it in depth during a series. And then you have time limitations as a human. Time. In Job chapter 14, there's this statement. Our time is limited. Speaking to God. You, oh God, have given us only so many months to live. And you could boil that down, couldn't you? Months, days, weeks, hours, years. You've given us only so much. You've set limits, and, and we can't go beyond them. None of us can go beyond the day of our death. We just can't do it. Uh, your day is never going to have more than 24 hours. Forget it. It's not going to. And so step one is just to realize, recognize, as a human being, there are limitations to what I can do. It's okay if I say I can't do things because I'm a human I'm not God step number two and we're going to get into each one of these if I'm going to live with margin step number two this is brutal if you really do it in a sense of wanting to get better I have to ask myself this question and I have to get deep with it what is it that drives me to overload my life now you got to get beyond the surface with this and I've got some things that are going to help us do it but we're all driven by a lot of different things. We're driven by fear, Scripture says. We can be driven by uh, desire. We can be driven, the book of Ecclesiastes says, by the de desire to impress others. We can be driven by jealousy. We can be driven by control. Fear that if I don't do this, it won't get done right. And there are a million things, but even... More than that, to dig down and, and say, not only what drives me to this, but why? Like, why would I be fearful? Why would I even think that way when I'm, I'm a human? Like, I can't do it all. We're going to come back to that big time in another message. So just let me give you one verse. I love Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 8. This Ecclesiastes, by the way, is Solomon's musings. It's not all God speaking. Solomon is also in a struggling time of his life. He's achieved a lot of success, but he's realizing it's all vanity and it's struggle. 
And he says this. He's given a hypothetical situation. There is, he's saying, imagine a man. Like, there's one who's he, he's alone. He's without comparison, or without companion, excuse me. And uh, he has neither son nor daughter. So he's saying, this guy doesn't have a lot of family. Like, his needs are met. Yet there's no end to all of his labors. Nor is his eye satisfied with riches. Have you ever seen people like that? I mean, they've made enough, they've accumulated enough, they could enjoy three lifetimes over and over, but they just keep working and work themselves into the grave. And Solomon says he, he never, ever asks, for whom do I toil and deprive myself of good? Uh, this also, Solomon says, is vanity, and it's a grave misfortune. Have you ever seen people just work themselves into the grave? Guys, we have to watch that one big time. What drives us? Now, if I'm going to learn to live on a margin, I have to learn to ask myself tough questions like that one. What is driving me to constantly stay overloaded? Why do I carry 10 people emotionally? Third thing you have to do, I'm just setting you up for this so you'll know where we're going. You if you're going to live with margin in your life, you have to learn to expect problems in life and delays. Listen, problems and delays are just natural to life they just happen very seldom during the course of a day does even one thing go that I plan without problem much less going a whole day without a problem I mean I can plan my day but something always pops up it's the stuff that I don't plan that troubles me right and that way you are you have your day plan but listen you have to learn to be, this is why you need extra time in your daily schedule because nothing ever goes as planned. As I always say, I, I was a mechanic for years, so I still work on people's stuff. I always say no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> you don't believe that, just try to fix somebody's car for free. I'm telling you, it's amazing, isn't it? <sighs> nothing. I, very little, if anything, ever goes exactly as it was planned. But you know how we live? We still act and live like everything's going to go according to plan. Everything's going to be fine. I mean, look, ladies particularly, and some men, you know there's going to be traffic, but you still leave late. Any of y'all ever have this in your marriage? We need to get, like, uh, we're thinking, you know, I need to go there. Uh, we got to be there at 7. It starts at 7. We got to be there at 10 till, right? Or 15 till. Or no, we can wait and get right there at 7. No, no, no. Listen, here's the till. I don't care male, female. This is not a male, female issue necessarily. But I'll promise you this. There's always going to be a problem. There's always going to be something. So you have to build in margins so that when the problem comes, it doesn't create a real problem. Jesus warns us about this. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, In the world you will have trouble. You'll have trouble. So I don't know why we're surprised when it happens. We should expect problems and delays. So if you don't live with any margin, though, if you push everything to the last second, then it, it, you don't have any room when problems come. And guess what? They're coming. Um, part of living with margin is, is just thinking ahead. That's part of just being happy in life is thinking ahead. Uh, some people live and they never think ahead. The Bible says this. It's a mark of wisdom. Look at this verse. Uh, a prudent or a wise man foresees evil or expects and plans for evil. 
um, and hides himself, that is, protects him or herself. But the simple, and that word simple, I looked it up in the lexicon, it means an unthinking person, just, just someone who just plods through life. They don't really think about problems coming. It says, they just pass on, but what? They're punished. Or, or not necessarily the idea of punishment, but they suffer. You've got to expect problems and delays, part of, part of lowering stress. Let me give you a fourth step. So after you just know that problems are going to happen, so you've got to allow a little extra time, here's how you kind of solve that, okay? We'll get into this even further. But number four, you're going to have to do this if you're going to live with mar margin. You've got to add buffer space into your schedule. You've got to add some buffer space into your schedule. Now, some of you don't have a schedule, and you don't necessarily have to function by a schedule, but I recommend that you do. And, uh, but when you do that, you need to have some unplanned time in your schedule. You know, you know who are the worst in the world about scheduling every moment of every day? Doctors and construction guys. <laughs> Doctor will have a 1 o'clock, a 1.30, a one forty-five, a two, a two, every slot filled. And so what happens is they encounter some problems and difficulties along the way, and you go to the doctor, and you got a 1 o'clock, but you don't get to see the doctor until when? 3 o'clock. So you're sitting there wasting an hour. And, and, and so same thing happens sometimes with construction guys. But guys, how many projects have you ever done that go perfectly according to schedule? So you've got to schedule in some buffer space into your... They do this in with the airlines and booking of flights, if it's a 30-minute flight, I promise you they'll have it booked 45 minutes because they know it's going to be a problem with the wind. They know there could be some storms. They know there could be something. You get literally got to build in some downtime, and I'll teach you how to do these things. I've gotten away from it, and it's hurt me. So what I did recently was I took my schedule, and you don't just leave downtimes blank. You literally schedule something in there, downtime, rest time family time and that way when that problem arises and somebody hey they want to make their problem your problem I need you here now you can say I can't do that I'm already committed to something during that time I've stopped doing that and that's got me in trouble because the immediate takes over and you need to schedule some personal time in your daily don't cram every day every hour with activities Psalm 127 to verse 2 says this it is vain. It's the picture of a person who's just up early and working late and never really getting. Look, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late and eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives his beloved sleep. What is this verse saying? It's saying basically you're working yourself to a frazzle. You uh, are getting up early and you're staying up late, but you're never getting it finished. And you're worrying and all the time, you're going, 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 and you're tired, and God wants to actually give you some rest. Now, I want you to write this down. I don't think it's on the, the PowerPoint, but I want you to write this down. Write it in your outline, because this is so key. And, and this is what I'm, God's just working on it with me, so when he works on stuff with me, you get the receiving end of it, all right? The faster you go, the more margin you need. You think about it, high-level, high-performing people in any field, the faster you go, the more margin you need. I'm telling you, the truth really is this. If you'll take more time to rest, you'll actually get more done. 
I'm, not, I'm telling you, it sounds so counterintuitive, but it is so true. The faster you go, the more margin you need. See, here's why. Life, if you're going to live to any length, is a long journey. It's not a 50-yard dash or sprint. And it doesn't matter who's running the fastest because the race is not about speed. It's not about how fast you live. It's about how well you live. And that's what it means. To live well, you have to have some margin, some room between how much you can't just press and press and press and press and press and press. My doctor, if I'm lying, I'm dying, told me probably eight to ten years ago when I was in the hospital room thinking I was having a heart attack, came up to visit me and he said to me, Jack, I love you. He's a fine Christian man. He said, but I'm going to tell you something. If you don't slow down, if you don't let somebody else do some of this stuff, you're going to be one of those guys who at 50 or 55 years of age has a heart attack and dies and leaves his family behind and kids to care for themselves. Well, I slowed down some. Lasted till 58. But God is my witness. Dr. Ronald Beeman told me that. Told me that. Now, I'm telling you, you got to add some buffer space. you got to do it. Fifth step to be able to do that, to be able to do it, and we'll get into this in more details. Here's what you have to do. <laughs> Prune your activities regularly. You just have to sit down, take a brutal inventory. What am I thinking? What's in my load? What am I being responsible for? This person, that person, this job, that job. You know, and three or four of those things. One expert said that we could give up at least 30% of the activities that most of us are involved in and we'd actually feel and be healthier. It's crazy, isn't it? 30% of what we're doing. And it, guess what? Here's the weird thing. It still gets done. <laughs> I mean, that's the weird thing. Maybe it's not exactly how I want it done. Who cares? But you've got to learn, every year we're like plants. We keep spouting off new activities and sprouting off new activities. But you can't keep adding new stuff to your life unless you eliminate some of the old stuff. There are so only so many hours in a day. You get too many irons in the fire, you know what you do? You put the fire out. <laughs> Iron doesn't burn. You burn the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are, right? So periodically, you have to eliminate some activities. You have to cut them out so you'll have greater fruitfulness. Um, we did this a while back with Sunday nights. Uh, we have multiple services now on Sunday morning. Ro boy, Bobby, you were so right. We were packed out at 8.30, and then that crowd cleared out somewhat, and now you're having parking spots. And look, look at this place. 85 90% full today. Easy. At the second service. But I knew when we went into it, we were having Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and I'm going to multiple services, and I got a few, age on, a few years age on me. I, so I told everybody, I said, listen, we need to experiment, but truth is we can't keep doing this and doing Sunday nights and everything. Because let me tell you why. Because the average Sunday morning was spent, I was coming here, I'm, I'm preparing a message, and you're getting ready, and you go to Sunday school. If you go to Sunday school on Sunday morning, you study your Bible lesson like you're supposed to, and you prepare, and you come to your small group, and then we leave here, we have a good time, praise the Lord, but leave here, take a little time fellowshipping around, and one o'clock or so, you know, you get to the restaurant, and you sit down and eat a little bit, and or eat a whole lot, if you're like me, and uh, eat some big old heavy 
meal and then you go home, watch a little TV, and what happens? How many of you <laughs> sitting back? <laughs> I would do the same thing, right? I'm peeling the paint off the wall, snoring, but I got my alarm set because I got to get up. Can't sleep for so long because I got to get up and completely regear for an entire another message on Sunday night, and then go home late on Sunday night. Get in the bed, get up, start back work on Monday morning, and get ready to do another whole lesson on Wednesday nights. It's crazy. We're not God. We have to prune some things. So we did it. Now, I want you to be honest with me. I missed some elements about Sunday night. Not many, but I missed some. How many of you, be honest, be honest, quit being religious, you're in church. Tell me the truth. How many of you have said, I've actually enjoyed having Sunday nights off? Anybody here? Look at there. Oh, my goodness. Look at all the hands. You dirty, rotten sinners. I can't believe that. No. I really miss Sunday nights. No, I'm kidding. No, I don't miss them, man. I enjoy, like, being home to be with my family and spend a little family time. I really do. And I enjoy it. And I don't go out and act all carnal and stuff, and I ain't lost and going to hell since then. It's just, you know, I enjoy it. I mean, I need some time. You got to prune some activities. You can't keep doing everything. You just can't. So you got to, you know, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 6 says this. There's a time to gain and a time to what? There's a time to keep and there's a time to do what? Throw away. There is. So let me ask you. Let me pull up real close to you now. I love you. Now we'll be through in just a few minutes. Focus in with me. Look at me. What have you committed to this past year? that is wearing you out and it's not that productive and even if it is productive it's wearing you out and you have no margin in your life what have you committed to that you need to throw away you need to prune huh don't say it out loud just think in your mind what do you need to throw away you can't do everything what what activity what activity do you need to stop it may be even somewhere that you're serving at church. Where, where is it? You need to prune or cut back. And you're not being effective, but because you said, I'll do it, you're just doing it, and you always take everything. You know, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Let us lay aside every weight, every weight, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. You know why it says the sin? Everybody always asks me when I'm teaching through the book of Hebrews, I go, what's that sin? Like, what's the sin that so easily ensnares us? He doesn't tell us. I think it could be faithlessness or unbelief, but he really doesn't tell us. You know why? Because the sin that besets you is probably not the sin that besets me and probably not the sin that besets you and you and you. And, and so what, what, throw aside the sin that besets you. And usually it's what we commit ourselves to. People say, boy, people won't commit to anything today. Oh, that's baloney. They will. They'll commit to everything. The problem is they make way too many commitments. We get way too overcommitted, and then we don't have time to do just a few things well. Amen? Now, I'm telling you, this is big for us. This is huge for us. This is why we wind up tired and exhausted, and we can't uh, work, and we can't think, and our relationships are flying, falling apart. He's not just talking about setting aside sins. He's talking about stuff that's not sin but gets in the way. If you don't have time to get it all done, now hear me, and I'm telling you I'm preaching in a mirror, but if you don't have time to get it all done, that means that something is either not God's will or you're doing it in the wrong way. Whew. Convicting, isn't it? 
1 Corinthians 6, 12, the Apostle Paul said this. And they're talking about what a Christian could do and couldn't do and shouldn't do and maybe should do. Paul said this, you know, all things are lawful for me. All things are permissible. He said, I have a lot of freedom in Christ. All things are lawful, but not everything is helpful. Oh, boy, that's true, isn't it? You know what that verse is saying? Some things are not necessarily wrong. They just aren't necessary. Mm. And boy, that's where it gets tough. It's easy to say no to activities you hate, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going for that uh, root canal. <laughs> I'm not going for that colonoscopy. <laughs> A lot of things. Easy to say no to some stuff. Not so easy when a tooth gets abscessed. Not so easy when you get cancer. Just being honest with you. Here's the hard part. It's much more difficult to say no to things you enjoy. But the truth is you can only do so much effectively now. You hear me? You know, what, so... Look at this verse where in the Old Testament Joshua tells the people in Joshua 7, 13. It's pretty fascinating. They have been winning battle after battle and then they, they lose God's favor and they're losing. And Joshua comes up and he confronts them because they had kept some of the stuff. They were told to destroy everything and they weren't. They were hoarding it and keeping some of it to themselves. They kept some of the idols from a foreign people that they overcame. And Joshua says, some of you, you're keeping things that God told you to destroy. And you're never going to be able to serve God and win the battles until you get rid of those things and throw them away. So, what are the idols in your life? What are the idols in your schedule? Idols are things that keep you from God. I just have to buy this. I just have to have this. I've got to spend time on this. I've got to, do, I've got to watch this. I've got to do that. Maybe you just need to throw it away. This stuff's hard to hear. But I think this last one really convicted me, and I, I know it did, because this is what I've not been doing. I, I'm honest with you, right? I try to be. So a lot of times I mess up just in my honesty, but I'm real. I try to be real with you. The sixth thing you have to do if you're going to actually live life and serve God and be happy is this. You have to walk with Jesus and learn from him. And you know what? This is the truth. When you actually walk with somebody, this hit me at the early service big time. When you walk with someone, it takes time. I mean, you have to walk with Jesus if you're going to be happy. The only way you learn from him is when you're really spending time with him and walking with him. And that's been missing a lot in my life lately. I've been busy. I look like a godly pastor to you, and I'm running, but if you want to lower stress, you really got to spend some time in God's Word, spend a time, get acquainted with Jesus, and learn from Him. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, one of the most powerful passages on stress in the Bible. This is Jesus talking to you. Now listen to me. I'm just laying a foundation, but I want you to hear me if you're stressed out. This is Jesus talking to you. These are His words. Come to me. 
all you who labor. And you're heavy laden, that is, you're burdened. You come to me, and I will give you what? Rest. I'll give you rest. You know what? It occurred to me. You see Jesus doing a lot in the Scripture. You never see Jesus running. Never see Jesus scurrying, late, hurrying. Kind of a fascinating thing, isn't it? You really don't. Now, there were people who thought he was late, but he was never late. But some of us, very honestly, I say it with all the love I can muster, we are running constantly. That's not Christ-like. I'm not scolding you. I love you. I'm as guilty of it as anybody here. But I'm going to tell you, whether you decide to or not, I promise you I am eliminating stressors in my life. I promise you I am. I've got to. I'm going to die. I'm human. And so are you. And you only have one life. And most of us are stressed out. And the bad thing is we do all the other stuff and stay stressed out, right? Overloaded. And then it pushes us away from this sixth and most important one, walking with Jesus and learning more of him. And that's what always gets pushed out. You know, there's only one benefit to living an overloaded life. There is one benefit to just living a maxed out, pressurized, pressure cooker, overloaded life. Only one. You know what it is? It eventually forces us to trust God more. Because <laughs> you will eventually come, you will eventually come to the end of your rope. Because you're human. And listen to me, you will either recognize your limitations one way or the other, and it's two ways to recognize them. You either look up to God, who loves you and wants you to rest, and you'll say, Lord, help me. Or God will put you flat on your back. And you will look up to him then. And he still loves you. And he's still merciful. But how much better it is if we just realize it and we correct it ourselves with his help. So I'm going to be praying for you through this series. I'm going to try to give you my best and God's best. And I want to ask you to be praying for me in weeks ahead. I really do. I'm taking some tests even now. And I'm taking the same steps to try to build some margin into my life, some sensibility. This has been a year of insanity for me last year. Can't keep going. Can't do it like that. I'm good. Don't get me wrong. I'm learning it. God's teaching me. Now, me had to put flat on my back. But it doesn't have to be that way with you. Let's bow our heads for prayer. we got to build some margin it's great. You come to church, pastor tells you to rest. <laughs> just go home and rest. I'm going to help you through the weeks. Don't go home guilt-laden today. But right now, I just want to bring us to this point. Because we're going to get to the solutions. But I think today, confession would be good. So you pray with me, Father. You know we have just lived without any space, without any room, without any margin in our lives. And we rush and rush and rush. Sometimes I can hardly... Remember what it was like to not feel fatigued or tired, to not feel pressured all the time. But Lord, we don't want to stay that way. And I'm praying, Father, for this 
flock, the, these believers that I pastor, and I pray for everybody here today. Lord, I want to pray for them as they're here. Everybody who's listening, everybody who will hear this online, whatever, I pray, God, that they'll be able to begin to take these six initial steps that can bring some balance and sanity back into our lives and schedules and relationships. And then I want to invite all of you here to just pray this with me. You know, you don't have to say the words, but you could say silently, yes, Lord, me too, me too. How about this? Father, would this be your prayer? Father, I'm tired. And I'm tired of rushing. I'm tired of, I'm tired of being late. I'm running behind and I'm tired of being exhausted. I've got too many irons in the fire and I need your help to get me out of the mess that I've gotten myself into. Lord, help me to recognize and accept my limitations humanly. Help me to, to understand I can't do it all. You don't intend me to. Help me, to. help me, Lord, to ask the tough questions of why I'm so driven to overload and fill my life and overbook it. Help me, Lord, to put some space in my schedule for the people I love. Father, I need breathing room. I need margin in my life. Lord, I know I can't do it all. But I need your wisdom in deciding what matters most. Because I do not want to waste my life. And most important, Father, help me to trust you more. Help me to walk this week with your son Jesus and learn from him. Lord, forgive us for thinking and acting as if everything depends on us when really it depends on you. I want to ask you as the pastor of this church, Lord, to use this series in our lives. I want to ask you to give me greater faith in you, less reliance on myself, and I want my life to bring pleasure to you. Lord, I ask these things humbly as I can, because I know everything in me wants to turn away at times. But Lord, I ask that these things would be a reality in my life and in the lives of those who follow. In Christ's name, amen.